Y'all sure y'all ready for the word? All right, all right. Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Matthew 9, 35 through 38. For our note takers, our people that's writing, taking a picture, or just people that like to just scroll on their phone or text. Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Testing, testing, there we go. That, that sounds better. That sounds better. I like that. All right. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he had said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of harvest to send out the laborers into his harvest. God, help us. Amen. 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 Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Terry. <laughs> so we have been in a series of ready, set, harvest. First week, Pastor Troy not to be confused with Pastor Troy, vice versa, but Pastor Troy. <laughs> Pastor Troy talked about crossing over, talking about the things that we have to leave and the things that we bring forth into our promises and to the harvest. Last week, Michelle talked about preparing for the harvest. The main thing that spoke to me about preparing for the harvest was reconciliation of relationships for the people that God has put in our lives that he wants them to experience him through us. But this week... I get the fun topic. I get the topic that nobody likes to talk about, and that is working the harvest. So before we work the harvest, we have to understand the harvest. We have to understand what Jesus is speaking about in this text. And I want to go over a little bit of uh, uh, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. Compassion is a word that a lot of people get uh, confused. They use interchangeably with, you know, sympathy, you know, to have pity for it, empathy. Uh, but compassion is its own thing. You know, we can understand sympathy, right? Sympathy is that, you know, uh, Pitts shared privately with me that Southern University is a lesser school. And so I had pity for him because I can understand what he was speaking about. <laughs> then we have empathy. I can feel you. You know, Dante is always hungry, right? You know, Dante is hungry right now. And so, Dante, I feel you because I'm hungry, too. I cannot wait till I finish preaching so I can get something to eat. And so we have compassion. Compassion compels us to relieve the suffering or to do something about the things that is on our hearts and the things that we see. Compassion. Dante, come up here. Come up here. Come on. Let's just, just stand right there. You know. Compassion is that I'm going to give you $20 so you can go get whatever you want to get after church and eat and be full. Okay? I appreciate that. That was not the original plan this morning. The when I woke up this morning, God spoke to me. And God was like, 
I want you to go to the ATM. I want you to go $20, give $20, and I want you to give it to Dante. What I'm saying is when you have compassion, it moves you. And a lot of times it's going to be inconvenient when you have passion, compassion because God is going to have you go out of your way to take the needs and fulfill the needs of the people that you see, that you do, that you're around. I did not plan to get up earlier to go to the ATM and get uh, a $20 bill and then I forget my, my tablet. So I got to go all the way back to the house to go get my tablet to come to church to do what God has told me to do. But it's all about obedience. That's where compassion. Every time Jesus Jesus had compassion, he moved. Something happened, something changed, somebody was healed. There was a situation that was changed in people's lives because Jesus had compassion. And we have to learn to ask God and to move when God tells us to move and have compassion for people and not just have pity like, oh man, that sucks over there. You know, I hope somebody do something like that. You ever been around people that's just always just commenting on something that's going wrong in the world or they see a situation but they never have action? to do anything about it a lot of times God places that in our hearts that that burden of we see a need we see a need somebody should do something and he's like you're that need we're that hands and the feet that God wants us to do with compassion here's a quote by the guy I cannot pronounce his name but here's a quote You, you, you don't know where it's at? Oh, there we go. There we go. All right. We must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or admit to do and more in the light of what they suffer. Or may I submit why they suffer. When we start to change our eye, our eye gates and our ear gates and our mouth gates of what's actually going on and we need to be that, that, that need, not us playing God of that person deserves this or that, but what God is telling us to move and have compassion to change situations. The second thing uh, in that verse that I want to go and talk a little bit about, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed. They were harassed. See, the word means to flay. Harass back then in the Greek means to flay. That is in tearing off the skin of an animal. Think about that. That don't sound good. Tearing off the skin of the animal. So the Greeks use this word when they compare trouble to the pains of being flayed alive. So what Christ is saying here, he's warning us that just as sheep with the absence of a good shepherd, people are subject to needless suffering. Without a good shepherd, the first and the great good shepherd, God, Jesus, when we're not proclaiming that faith, when God put us in opportunities to share Jesus and for people to get to know Jesus, when we don't do that, people suffer needlessly. That goes all the way down to the ladder. When you're not in proper position in the church, if you're a pastor, if you're a leader and everything else, and you're not in the right place, the people under you, the people around you, the people beside you suffers needlessly. The third thing in that verse, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. So helpless, the word is used here to refer to the weariness and the fatigue that results from labor of being burdened. And this part of that, what he meant and back then in the scripture, that's when people were under the burden uh, of legalism. 
people was not approached with grace and mercy uh, and love that God wants. But you, everybody or some, some people in here that's been in this church, that's come to this church, has had some past of church hurt, some past of legalism, which is used as control. Um, and instead of being approached with love and mercy and grace. Compassion. Harassed. And helpless. So now that we've surveyed the harvest, we get to talk about the opportunity of the harvest. Or if you're a pessimist, a cup half empty person, the challenges of the harvest. <laughs> so let's do a little exercise real quick. When I say let's go to work, I want you to repeat, let's go to work. All right? We ready? Let's go to work. Okay, okay, I like that. All right, let's, let's repeat it one more time for good measure. All right, let's go to work. Let's go to work. I love that energy. So anytime after this, I say let's go to work, we're going to... Man, y'all catch on quick. Y'all smart, I like that. The opportunity of the harvest. The main thing about the harvest, you know, you hear about the harvest and people talk about, but the main thing that people don't talk about that the harvest is hard work. It is hard work. It is not something easy. It's not something to sneeze at. It is very hard work. We must go and reap the harvest. The harvest is not going to just come to us. You know, we'll sit out here in the situations that, you know, the harvest, the people, we'll see communities, we see opportunities and everything else. And we just, God, ooh, this is great opportunity out here. I can't wait for you just to bring people through the door. You know, we're not going to do nothing. We're going to sit right here. We're going to sit right here, but you're going to bring people through the door, but faith without works is dead. So you have to go to work. You have all the faith in the world, but you have to go to work. First Corinthians 15 and 58. Therefore, my dear brother and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And that's one of the challenges in the harvest because... The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. The laborers are few. You know, Andy uh, shared this, this statistic. I'm a good statistic guy. Uh, you know, a few sermons ago about that 20% of the church is the workers. 20%. So that means, if you want to be statistically, we're only operating at 20% capacity, efficiency, and effectiveness. Jesus was only one person, and even though that he had saw many people and done many miracles, there was still more to be done. So that's part of the Great Commission to make disciples and to make disciples that we all have our own unique giftings, our own unique experiences that's going to solve the, every unique situation of the world. But we have to do that. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about the 20%. Another thing that people don't understand is when you're only working at 20% capacity, now your team is overloaded. Not only that your team is overloaded, people are actually out of place because other giftings or other seasons that God wants other people to do, they cannot do that because they're doing the job of somebody else that's sitting here that's supposed to be doing what they're supposed to be doing. Wow. So now people get hurt needlessly. People get delayed. Situations get delayed. We wonder why things are not happening in the church or the community is not changing. It's because we're not in position of where we're supposed to be at. Let's go to work. Let's go to work. All right. All right. 
The next thing about the challenge or the opportunity of the harvest is timing. If you know me, timing is everything. I am big on timing. So I'm a very punctual, I'm the punctual friend. So if I say, hey, let's meet here at 8.45, I really mean 7.45. You know, I am very punctual. Ask my family, ask my, my close friends, I will leave you. I will leave you. I say, you got gas in your car, you, you, can, you can meet us. I, I will leave. I'm big on timing. And the harvest is a, is a time-sensitive thing. Um, it is a time of great consequence. There's a sense of urgency that we must bring. If a farmer doesn't bring in his crop when it's time to harvest, they will lose their crop. There's times and situations that you may be sharing, um, you know, Jesus with somebody for years or times or, you know, at whatever amount of time, but you've never even asked them to, to, to accept Jesus in their life. Oh, you didn't know that was your job? A lot of people think, oh, no, we just, if I could just get you to church, they can do that. But we don't understand in this situation, we, we, we hear all the time the how and don't understand the why. See, at Anchor Chapel, we talk about the why. You can go any place and they'll tell you how to do something. But when you have the why, it goes back into the Bible and biblical. And the whole thing is the reason why we're sharing Jesus. It's a life and death situation. Think about that. It's a life and death situation. Tomorrow's not promised. The next minute's not promised. But you sharing Jesus with that person, invite them to have Jesus into their life, can change the whole dynamic of their whole family. Just think about that. But don't get weary because there is joy in the harvest. <laughs> harvest time is of great joy. Uh, we are blessed with our fruit of our labors. Um, and the response is always overwhelming joy. Let's go to work. So we've talked about surveying the harvest. We talked about the opportunity to harvest. Or you're probably wondering, how can we go out into the harvest? And I'm happy to let you in on that. So the first thing that we must do, it's a good point for you to write down, is to identify your gift, your talents, and your availability. 1 Peter 4 and 10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. You have to use your gifts, your gifts that God has given you to serve others. That's the vision of the church. Another one, we can go into Romans 12, 4 through 8. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function. So in Christ, we who are in many form of, from, who are in many form one body, and each member belongs to all others. We have different gifts according to grace given to us. If a man gift is prophesying, well, let him prophesy in his uh, proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. It, if, if it is leadership, let him govern diligently. And if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. It goes back to that one point of uh, that 20%. You know, we cannot, we're all one body many limbs and many things, everything else, until we are all functioning together and working what God wants us to do in this season, no matter how big or how small, now we can actually do what God wants for us to do here at Anchor Chapel and for having hope for the world, hope for every soul. The second thing 
is to seek God for opportunities. For example, hey God, bring me opportunities to prophesy or share you with others. A lot of people don't want to pray that because that means I'm going to have that opportunity. I'm going to have to do it. But don't worry, I'll pray for you. (laughs) But how can we seek God for opportunities, different opportunities that come up? We invite people to anchor groups. We can invite people to different events, not necessarily church, but different events. You can invite people to church. Um, there's, let's, I'm, I'm going to sit right here for that for church. There's, there should be, uh, we should always find opportunities everywhere we go every week to invite people to church because it's not on the pastor, it's not on the leadership team, it's, it's all about us. The church is within us. Uh, invite people to church. Um, and then, you know, I've talked to some people and people be like, oh, you know, I invited them twice, I invited them three times, they didn't come, you know, I did my job. But did God tell you to stop inviting them? Job is not done until God tell you no. And trust me, God will tell you when it's time to move on and do something else. There was one person that I had invited for seven months every week and got turned down. And then they showed up and had an experience with Jesus and gave their life to Christ. Hard work. Let's go to work. You can invite people to have a relationship with you. That means opening yourself, putting yourself in position for people to invite to have a relationship with you. That's big with me because I like to be to myself. I like to go home and go in my room and talk to nobody. Silence is the perfect music. That's, that's it's music to my ears. But we have to open ourselves. I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. Like being up here, this is not just a natural thing for me. Pitts has to basically push me up here. You know, but I understand this is what God has called me to do. And if that's going to save others, that's going to help people change the dynamics in their life, then God use me. The other thing is seeking God for opportunities. When you invite people to have a relationship and you talk to people, now as you get in more relationship with other people, you can connect others to help and encourage them in their specific needs. I can't help you with that, but I know somebody who can. Oh, somebody, are you going through this? Oh, I know the person that can help you with that. And speaking of that, I want y'all to really understand that oftentimes the thing that you survived is the indication of the things that you're supposed to lead people through. Things that you've gone through in life, that things that you thought that you wouldn't make, things that you thought you wouldn't survive, that God has given you that grace and that mercy and that strength, whether you, you've healed from that and you've gone through therapy, you, you heal from that. Now you get to help others and, and keep others from suffering needlessly because now I can open myself up and lead you through that. How many times that you've been through something, you wish somebody was there to hold you and help you navigate that situation in your life? And that's what we are here for. When we don't share Jesus, when we don't open ourselves up, when we don't have a relationship, we, are, we have other people that suffer. But if we do, think about how better this community can be, how better Baton Rouge can be, how better this city can be. Just your church in general, how better it can be and healthier it can be when we share others and we help navigate things that we have overcome. Yeah. Let's go to work. So, we have surveyed the land. We've seen the opportunities. And we've also, uh, head out in the harvest. 
If you want team, you can come on up. Y'all come on up. Come on up. So I can't just give you, you know, knowledge and I can't just give you application, but I have to give you tools so you can be successful in the harvest. And I want to give you keys to be successful while working in the harvest. The first key is to lift your eyes. A lot of times when we're going through life, we're so tunnel vision, we're so focused on our individuality, we're so focused on accumulation of things and good and, and just things in life that we don't see the people that need to be helped. You know, it's really matter about what you're looking at, you know, because our problem is just that we don't help people as Jesus did, is that we don't even take the time to look at them. We just don't stop to see. We tune out painful realities of human suffering by tuning into the entertainment day after day, or we distract ourselves with the feverish pursuit of accumulation until there's no time to think about it or talk about or do anything about what the world and what it needs. The second thing, there's hope for every soul. What do I mean about that? God redeems, not us. Be careful not to play God and put that eye of God of who deserves grace, who deserves mercy, who deserves saving with everything that they do. It's all about what God served. There's hope for each and every soul. There's nothing that you're doing right now. There's nothing that you've done in your past. There's nothing you're doing in the future that God will not meet you where you're at. God will not love you. God will not redeem you. God will not cleanse you. God will not bring you into being a perfect person of who he looks at you as. Because we're redeemed by the blood. Third thing, third key is transparency. <laughs> Being transparent <laughs> with yourself, with God, and then others. The reason some people don't share Jesus or invite, you know, people to church and everything else is simply of who they are outside of church. Let's be honest. You have some that be like, oh, you invited me to that church? That means I need to steer away from that church. But the great thing is when we're transparent with ourselves, then we understand that none of us is perfect and we all need help. And God helps us and redeems us. Then when we're transparent with God, now God can work with us because God will not impose his will on us. So God is only going to work on what you allow him to, to, to work on, what you, what you express to him, what you allow for him to touch and change and mend. And then when we're transparent with that, now we can be transparent with others and share our testimony and help people along. And the last key, if y'all go ahead and stand up for me. The last key of being successful while working the harvest is that you're not meant to do this alone. You're not meant to work the harvest alone. If you look to your left and you look to your right and behind you, there's people here, there's a community, you have anchor groups, there's people outside of this. When you come together as a community, you're, you're more impactful. Not only that, you're stronger. 
because when you get weak now you can lean on other people that's there that can hold you up and then when they get weak you can lean they, you can hold them up so I encourage you to go and get into community because you're not meant to do this alone you're not meant to go through life alone you're not meant to to go through all your pains and your suffering and everything else alone you have people you have community that's here to love you and care for you to pray for you to help you whether it's you need to be better in stewarding your finances whether it's your better steward life if it's something that needs fixing we got plenty of people like that matter of fact I need a light bulb that needs to be changed and I ain't got the ladder for it it's like 20 feet tall but as we go into this harvest, it's time to go to work. All right. God, we just thank you right now for your people. We thank you for the opportunity to harvest, to work, to bring people to experience you through us outside of the walls and inside of the walls right now, Lord. That we understand that there is urgency. There is, there is a time-sensitive thing for people's lives to be changed. And we want to be the hands and feet of you, Lord. I ask that you give us the fervor, the confidence, and broaden us to share Jesus, to be transparent with ourselves, that we bring that there is hope for every soul, Lord. God, give us opportunities as we leave this place today to share Jesus, to share your love, to share your, your love, that people know that there's hope for every soul, that they know that there's a place that they can come to, that they can detoxify and they can be healed, Lord, and they won't be judged, Lord, and we walk this walk together, Lord. We thank you and we love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's go to work. Thank you for joining us for this message. If you'd like to learn more about Anchor Chapel or support our ministries, you can visit anchorchapel.com or follow us on social media at Anchor Chapel. Have a great week.